You've heard this story before, Chicago Bears surrendering a lead late with at this point an 87.6% win percentage. But oh no, unlike last time, the Chicago Bears snatch victory from the jaws of defeat, finishing 12-10 to on a big Monday night football game that sends them into the bye all smiles. What happened in this game? What should we take away from it? Everything in the middle. Nick and I will talk through Everything on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to Bear With Us, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, editor-in-chief of The Bears blog, alongside my co-host, Nick Whalen of Football Guys. And Nick, what a what a doozy of a Bears game. I mean, there is so much to talk through, and yet somehow I'm still trying to work through this gross feeling as I had, I'd fully processed a 10-9 loss and then... It's Minnesota this time that goes conservative, can't get any yardage, allows a crappy punt, and Justin Fields, who finds his way down the field after two what felt like back-breaking fumbles that in fact did not break Chicago's back. I mean, there is so much to go through here. What do you think happened? I, I don't know how I feel. Like, I was expecting even, you know... Even after the big completion to to DJ Moore, I still expected something to go wrong. I expected them to, you know, to kneel and Santos. They had too many guys on the field. He would rush and miss it. Even after the field goal, like somehow they would get in field goal range and still beat Chicago. Like I was waiting for that because that's what this team and coaching staff have taught us. But I felt. I felt bad for Justin Fields for most of the game because he didn't get a chance to do much when he did. I mean, he missed DJ Moore on the one rolling left and he's coming across the field, which honestly, that's a ball like I get you miss on sometimes. That's that's perfectly logical. Um, he missed DJ Moore on an out when he had to throw it around Daniel Hunter. Outside of that, like he didn't miss a ton of them, in my opinion. And then it was... of his passes at the line of scrimmage are behind. That is just disgusting. So I'm like, okay, he didn't get a chance to do that. And then, yes, the fumble sucked. We all were there. Uh, The one I was like, oh, this is great. He's going to lead us down. And then it just perfect hat on the ball. I'm like, and then he, and then he does the thing that he has not done successfully lead us down to win the game. So I don't know, like happy, sad, everything. <laughs> it, it really was a little bit of everything. And I mean, it wouldn't be a Bears win in conditions like this, by the way, if the Bears didn't make some kind of history. For instance, Opta Stats is reporting that the Bears are the only NFL team in the Super Bowl era to win a road game despite scoring no touchdowns, having 75 penalty yards, and losing multiple fumbles. Road teams, by the way, were a combined 0-46 and 46 in the Super Bowl era when doing all of that in the same game and as i'm sure you mentioned fields's air yards per attempt were a career low at 2.7 air yards per attempt overall at one point i remember they mentioned that he was down to 0.3 air yards per attempt uh and then he still ended up with a very positive cpoe of plus 6.3 completion percentage over or like over expected but nick goodness gracious we are so look 
the game ended the way the game ended. Justin Fields deserves all the credit in the world for finding DJ Moore on that third and 10. Do not take it away from him. I am not going to try to take it away from him. Josh Dobbs, if he throws, God, one less interception for crying out loud. If they, if the Vikings make one more play at the end of the game, right? The bears are, we are talking about Justin Fields fumbling once in the pocket and once as a runner to nearly close the game. And Nick, I just, I feel very strange about it because right now it feels like we've got a nice trend, don't we? Where Justin Fields plays his best football right up at the start of the game. And he did again, right? Justin Fields looked poised as hell. And I really don't say that often. The what? scripted plays. The scripted plays. He was, but even so, man, his pocket mechanics looked better. Like he's dodging guys in the pocket. He's stepping up into pockets. He's seeing a seven-man blitz coming, and he's getting the ball out to Cole Komet on third down. The Bears are no, that was fourth down, wasn't it? Yeah, the fourth like, down, and they went for it. That was come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It and then as the game goes on, slowly but surely, the offense turns into a pumpkin. And I mean, mm-hmm. I, I really don't want to be too negative because I could nearly name the entire Bears defense. Everybody is balling. But mm-hmm. I think what has me most shaken, Nick, if I could just start where my heart is, right, is that right now I can make a reasonable argument to keep Matt Eberflus, and I do not like that. My heart's not behind it, just so we're on the same page. But if I, if you're George McCaskey, right, and you don't want to fire me because my contract is guaranteed and I walk into your office and I say, look, George, you get how this is. Like we, we had a brand new team full of all kinds of rookies, all kinds of change. We had a bad September. Everybody knows that. But you really mm-hmm. only expected us to be a 500 team, right? We're four and four since or since starting zero oh and four. The defense has eight takeaways in two games. The defense led us to a win against Minnesota, where we couldn't even score a touchdown. I mean, George, you can't really say I'm the problem, right? And what do you think, Nick? Well, you know, actually, you said you said that, and I, I just got distracted. They didn't call the last play of the game a fumble. That should have been a turnover, right? They, we recovered wait. it. Did they not call it a? Oh, oh! No, no look at the stats. It would they be never it, do, do they? Like they, I think because I, I don't know. Maybe it's because the Bears like don't technically take possession of it or something. Like, yeah, I couldn't tell you. Or did the Vikings down it? Did a bear jump on it? No, no, I, a bear jumped on it. I think it was either Terrell Smith or like Jalen Johnson. Because I, I here's what bugs me. This is not even answering your question, but I'll get to it in a second. Is they don't call that a turnover that Chicago gets, which they the Vikings didn't convert, so the ball's turned over technically. But they'll call Justin Fields on two sacks on quarterback draws this season, which you know everyone's like, oh, the sack numbers, and it was a QB oh, yeah, run in the middle that got blown up behind the line. Um, I get what you're saying because the defense has played way better. I mean, way better. Yeah, you held Minnesota to ten points here. Last week, you know, was not good. 29 points allowed in 19 minutes against Detroit. Um, not a great contest against the Chargers. I mean, those are two of the better offenses in the NFL. Everyone else that has an average or below, he's made them look average or below, which is exactly what you want right. to do. Actually, Minnesota has been doing well against they have. everybody. So, you know, whether, you know, Flus like figured it out or or whatnot, the one thing he does not figure out, by the way, though, is when you're up 
how to stay up because whether it's letting Jameson Williams score quickly, Eddie Jackson not being aggressive on a vertical stem by Hawkinson, losing Jordan Addison, uh, you know, whatever it is, they, they fumble it away, but he is figuring some of it out. Um, and, and, and we've talked on this podcast. We don't like to say, Hey, fire this person or that person. Cause it's somebody's job. But like, again, we have to be, you have to, you have to analyze what's going on here. At least when it comes to NFL head coaches, I know that those contracts are fully guaranteed. Yep. So when I say, please relieve Matt Eberflus of his duties, I know I am condemning him to a vacation of where he will get paid afterwards. And I mean, honestly, like you look at this defense, he has all of the potential in the world to be the Bears John Fox, so to speak, like the precursor to that next guy. But that's yeah. only if he ends up getting the door. And I mean, in the world of the NFL, everything, Nick, comes down to the end result. You mm-hmm. lose 10-9, it's an embarrassing collapse. But you won 12-10. And now you go into a bye, and you take on Detroit afterwards. After that, you take on a team that can't seem to field a quarterback, no matter how hard they try in the Cleveland Browns and Mm -hmm. the rest of the schedule kind of leaves the door open. And for the love of all that is good, please don't make me defend Matt Eberflus too hard. It's more to say that right now, right now, Nick, I'm about to say something very scary. I see it as more likely after this game that Matt Eberflus returns and scapegoats Justin than the other way around. What do you think? Well, this has just been a big turn of events because I've been the one that's been more pro Eberflus on this podcast the past few weeks than you have. <laughs> so you're, you're you're coming around on me. Um, it's becoming inarguable. You can't do this. You can't undress quarterbacks like this in back to back weeks and not get people's attention. Not so, to mi- yeah. But let me give you a stat though, because because you said it's more plausible for Flus to stay and Fields to go than Fields to stay and Flus to go. I got a stat for you here, okay? Uh, My buddy Christian Williams, Bears fan. He said, and and again, like, because this is the context. Like, did Fields have a great day? No, I mean, even if he didn't fumble the ball and the Bears won barely, I mean, he it wouldn't have been a great day. Did he have a chance to have a great day? I would still say no. But that's adding this game in there. His last four full games playing, he has he's averaged three hundred twelve yards total yards a game. Nine touchdowns, four turnovers. So we're adding the fumbles in and the picks. He picked the top three quarterbacks in the NFL, okay? Which which I think most would say Mahomes, Hurts, Allen, right? I mean, right. you know, you can mix in Burrow, but Burrow's been kind of off this year. Their last four full games. So Josh Allen's had 300 total yards a game, 11 touchdowns, so two more than Fields, but six turnovers, so two more than Fields and less total yards, Okay. Patrick Mahomes, 248 total yards a game, six touchdowns, less than Fields, five turnovers, more than Fields. Jalen Hurts, 253 total yards a game, a lot less, 14 touchdowns, five more, that's more, six turnovers, that's more too. So it's just to put this context in here where I know Chicago, we have not had good quarterback play. Trust me, I've lived it, okay? (laughs) I've been here a long time as well as a lot of you have. We're super critical of this guy. He led them down to win a game. Even before that, he was running. He was he he bought time out of many sacks that he could have had because they still can't pick up stunts. Roshan Johnson got made look a fool multiple times. 
They they don't chip well. Like there's a lot of things I think that they need to clean up. And obviously Flores figured it out. Are there going to be receivers that are going to be open for fields to throw to? Yep. I saw them on replays. I'm sure you did too, Robert. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's not the worst quarterback play. Cause if you look over the landscape of the NFL, there's bad, bad quarterback sure. plays. Zach Wilson's third string. I mean, like you can go through the list of some really, really, really bad quarterback play. He's not there. Is he elite elite? No, he's in this middle range and we're still figuring it out. So I would say Robert, he has a better chance of staying, depends on how he plays the rest of the year, obviously, versus a coach that got his first NFC North win out of how many tries, and we're in November, almost December, of his second season. Like, that's embarrassing. Oh, I hear you. Like I said, I am not trying to go to bat for Matt Eberflus this evening. I mean, especially when I look at just what Matt Eberflus does, the philosophies that he bring to, brings to the team, the way that the Bears go about trying to play defense. There's a lot of it that I'm not surprised really good quarterbacks can break open the seams and tear the defense apart. I mean, if you need an example that isn't directly Matt Eberflus, but as you know, Nick, it's a close cousin, you can look at the fact that every time the Buffalo Bills are in what you feel like is a high leverage situation, the defense implodes, right? And mm -hmm. it, again, there's plenty going on with the Buffalo Bills that would take their own separate podcast to truly talk about. But it, this system feels like in key moments, it doesn't get the stop it needs if the, if the offense across from it is attacking it. Or when you've got every bounce, nearly, not every bounce, that's not fair. The Bears had a couple penalties that we could whine about, but this is not a ref podcast, right? But the ball bouncing off of Jordan Addison's face and hitting or right into Jaquan Brisker's hands, like the, I guess that cancels out the fact that Jalen Johnson couldn't haul in a pick six. Man. Two weeks man, in a row. Nick, five, five should have been interceptions from Josh Dobbs. I mean, there's so much we could say here. Yep. There really is, because I could talk in near circles. I mean, the defensive performance was marvelous. Yep. Marvelous. It mm -hmm. is just a huge shame that this was now the second week in a row where the Bears had two or more turnovers in the first half, and they somehow did not end the half winning. What? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, missed field goal and all. It is pretty stunning that a team that's offensive line seems like it's able to generate some of the pockets that we saw separate conversation because in this game, it was it was kind of all over the place, right? The secondary cast seems like it's getting open. I agree with you. Justin Fields is much closer to Jimmy Garoppolo than he is Zach Wilson, right? Mm -hmm. But even so, man, I'm just cocking my head at how much effort and how many things need to go right for the bears for them to squeeze out a two point win. And I understand that you could say, well, come on, Robert, like the Jaguars aren't exactly winning big. They only barely beat the Texans. Come on, Robert. The Eagles aren't exactly winning huge. They still needed overtime to put the bills away. But mm -hmm. this feels like a Minnesota team that showed up, had a horrible, horrible day. Kudos to good defense there. And, even still, it took a massive, massive throw at the end of the game. Jailbreak open throw by DJ Moore. And Dagger. only then, only then did they win in a game where they scored zero touchdowns. Like, mm -hmm. bleh, you know well, what I mean? I mean, this is this is still just a team that like 
doesn't know how to win. You know, like we talked about that after our last pod, uh, the the Lions game, because like here I'm looking at, you know, missed the field goal, next drive, drove down 67 yards, got the field goal, got the pick, right? At the 37-yard line. And then Kyler Gordon, super weird, like took his helmet off after the face mask was ripped off, got 15-yard penalty. And then here was the sequence. It was incomplete pass on fields, which was a screen, again, shocker, that got blown up, so he's scrambling, throws it away smartly, penalty ineligible guy downfield, declined. Then it was false start, one-yard pass to Khalil Herbert, that 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 deep pass to Mooney that was incomplete, and then he had to punt. And it's just like, you know, and, and again, we're not like a, a – Penalty, you know, right. feel sorry for us podcast, but it's just like the, the Bears find ways to make this more difficult than it really needs to be. Good teams would take that at the 37, get a minimum of two first downs, at least threaten to score a touchdown and get a field goal. I mean, and that and and honestly, if he doesn't miss the first field goal and he makes that one, it's a 9-0 game just right there. Sure. I mean and so that's three zero. Right? I mean, that just happens. This stuff fills it. it it spills out of the of, of its own way. And it's so funny because I see somebody in our chat talking about how the Bears could have easily gone with play action. I'm actually not surprised they didn't, if only because Minnesota was showing so much blitz that the moment that you have a fields run either a long mesh or, God forbid, he turns his back to the defense and spins around and takes a hit. I mean, that's a turnover-worthy play waiting to happen. I'm not saying that it's a good thing they didn't try it, because what they did in many cases did not work, right? The fact that Luke Getze called not one, not two, but three consecutive screens. I mean, truly consecutive screens. And sure, the first one worked, but the next two got blown up, set up another long drop back that the Bears could not find a completion on. It was just so typical to the way this offense has approached things, right? We have I mean, one plan B. If it doesn't work, try it again. It was supposed to work, right? And this I mean, is how you end up. Baffling, with, I mean, Robert. I mean, third third and two screen doesn't get work or doesn't work. At the, at the end of the game. It before, wrong, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> before before Justin Fields' second fumble, okay, they Herbert run, Herbert run first down. Four-yard, I mean, basically just stick route. To, to DJ more good second and six four minutes left what do you do another screen to Mooney and there's a bad bad angle by St. Brown negative four so then it's third and ten and then fields runs and scrambles it's just like you still were going back to the well even though it wasn't working you didn't try anything else and there's so many things shallow mesh stick uh, I mean, slant, slant flat. I mean, you call it a bunch of different things in terms of Frisco, whatever. There's other ones that you can call that. There's so many things you could call play action. I mean, I know they're saying that I would have liked to see them get outside the pocket. You don't have to worry about that. The blitz then, right? If you move the pocket, the blitz is designed for one area, right? The quarterback's going to be somewhere in here. If you right. move it right or left, it changes everything. The other thing that felt weird to me, Robert, I don't know if you got this too. You said this, the opening drive. The mechanics, everything felt great for Justin Fields. After the opening drive, though, it felt like when he took dropbacks, it was like drop quick game sets. And then if people weren't open, the rush was right there. It almost felt like the like the dropbacks and the routes and the timing didn't mesh up right. So like the the he should have taken at least one to two more 
steps back to give himself room to step up. Did you feel that way too? Well, there's two comments that I need to make. And first off, I really, I really get wrecked by the primetime broadcast angle. Even the Fox standard noontime broadcast angle is wider. But man, when they go to primetime, they love that zoom, right? College football, you still get 10 yards for crying out loud. But in, in this, I mean, Nick, I have no idea what was going on down the field for most of these plays. And I do want to know on the all 22, what did we see? Right. Seemed like a lot of those screens were RSOs. So a run screen option. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Vikings were offering the bears to throw it because I mean, that plays into what they want to do. It obviously worked for the longest time, but Mm -hmm. it just feels, I don't know, Nick weird watching this or thinking back through this game where the bears dropped back and fields would scramble or throw it away as happened an awful lot throughout the game instead of finding anything downfield. And I'm not trying to pin that on anybody because truly at this point, we don't know, but you mentioned something pre-show that I think we have to talk about, right? The bears ran bash trying to get the quarterback run game moving uh, early in the second quarter and fields got crushed. I don't know which lineman specifically it was, but he got beat at the point of attack. Fields hesitated, and as he gets held up by the man who's ultimately tackling him, a defender on the left side comes in, and I don't know what you thought, Nick. Looks like he goes crown to crown uh, on Justin Fields, who yep. doesn't get the call. But honestly, Nick, it's not well, the he's a ball carrier there, so it, it's more gray, I think. And it's but... not the call I'm complaining about because 15 yards wouldn't have taken the hit away. And that yeah. hit looked hard, and Fields yep. going down did not look okay. I am- well, and, and and his head hit the ground on the turf mm-hmm. too. He, he couldn't brace himself. Mm-hmm. I am shocked that he didn't end up like getting checked for a concussion. But the game plan seemed to fizzle really hard after that. So I'm kind of throwing my shoulders in the air, saying, "Really, Nick? I mean, who knows? Do you have an yeah. idea?" I mean, because I. It, you know, actually, when it initially happened, my gut instinct was he just got knocked out. That that's that's the 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 force of the play live for me, the angles of everything, how he was. I was like, oh, he just got knocked out, and and I, and and out of you too, something like flew out of a helmet. Where there's a mouth guard, where something like it was that much of a blow. Something just flew way out of the way. I'm like, oh crap, and then. He gets up and next play, it's second and ten. They'd run it with Roshan. It's like a one yard, whatever. I mean, it's just a throwaway. And I was like, okay, they ran it because they don't want him to try and make a read. And then I, I can't remember what the next play is probably a screen. And then and then nothing happened. Um, actually, I'll, I'll find it as we're, we're chatting here. But that could be a factor. Now, again, they were running screens before then. But oh, yes. no matter what happens here, Luke Getty does not trust Justin Fields. No. He doesn't. Even late in the game, didn't trust him at all. And I think only the only reason that deep down the field passes were happening is because you have to at this point. And, and he hit dagger to, to win the game. So prior to that, and again, 46% of the passes were at the line of scrimmage or you know behind. And then there's still throwaways on top of there. I mean, Gross. that's like 60% of the passing game is I don't trust you, which is bad. It's very bad. But I mean, hasn't that kind of been the MO this so far this season, right? I mean, even the Detroit game, they did not trust Justin Fields. And he almost came through for them anyways. But then you take a look back at just the, the couple drives earlier. Like, it's to me, Nick, 
I can't tell if I'm being too hard on the kid or not. How on earth all you had to do was just just not fumble. Like, the only thing you had to do was kneel the ball twice, and you probably call a game on the Vikings going up, what was it at that point? Like, you go up from 9-3 to three to 12-3, to three, and yeah. for Fields to fumble and give the Vikings a chance to get back in the game was bananas to me. That's not to say that it's that it's some cardinal sin, but at this point, I can only imagine that you probably feel the same way, right? Where it was like the Bears had found a defeat in the middle of what had to be a victory. Did you feel that mm-hmm. way at all? Yeah, so uh, just going back, so I found the sequence. Um, it was negative one yard. In the in the lineman, it was Nate Davis pulled, so I don't know. I think he's the one that got blown up or, or beat inside. The one where he uh, got hit? Yeah, so negative one is Sheldon Day, I think, that hit him. And then it was second and 11 and a two-yard run up the middle. Classic Chicago, right? That, that, that'll get it done. You know, not, not even try and run stretch or something or toss. Right. Like, what happened to the jet sweeps we ran earlier in the year? Gone. No, they're um, gone. And then, and then pass short left incomplete to DJ Moore. And I can't remember if that's the one he missed because he was throwing around Daniel Hunter and it was too wide uh, or not. I can't remember. But again, that was at the Chicago 45, 46, and 47. So we're like really good field position. Throw away another possession that you're not going to get points on. Um, <sighs> But I, I get your point. Yeah, we could have it's, knelt it's, it. That the, the one the, I'm not the literally first... asking for a kneel, by the way. Yeah. I'm more pointing out this. I'm basically asking you, Nick, if you took your fan glasses off and your job rode on whether Justin Fields was going to come through for you or not, would you have trusted him? In that drive, or you mean in any drive? Just in general. I mean, even if even if you did trust him. After that first fumble, would your confidence in him have taken a hit? Like, I'm asking honestly from like, you're sitting on the sidelines and you're sweating, thinking we cannot lose this game. I know what just happened last week. Yeah. Right? Like, when when would you have lost your cool? Because two straight fumbles and then a sick game winning drive. Like, it's a, it's mostly one play. I, that doesn't really matter. It's going to go in the stat sheet as a game winning drive. It's going to go in the stat sheet as a win. Yep. Like, I can't give enough flowers while we have this conversation, right? Of, yeah, yeah. oh man, those, those were just tough. And I don't want to magnify too much around them. But to me, the real problem, Nick, was this. They seemed like the kind of turnovers that happen pretty regularly. But the, this time the, the, we got to save ourselves afterwards. Which which fumble bothered you more? Because I know which one bothered me more. Which the first which one? Two? Are you going to say the second one? The first one bothered me more too, because I think he was trying to do too much. Just accept the oh, sack yeah. and, and go down. Just go down. Now, but here's the problem: is like he gets out of those sacks so often. It's like mm-hmm. I get it. You know, it, it's like it's like Mahomes. Like I can make this arm angle work, and it's a pick. But Mahomes doesn't because he's awesome. It, it's really a Josh Allen turnover, in my opinion. Right. The second one. I was shocked it was a fumble. I think he was too. He's like, I have it in my right arm, which is opposite the guy. His helmet just hit it. And honestly, everybody, that just happens. Like, yep. I don't think like, oh, Justin Fields, he didn't have it out. He had it tucked, but like helmet on ball. That's why they do that. It happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one's the only one that bothered me. The second one, I'm like, no, that that's, it happens. I agree. And I mean, hey, we've spent 27 minutes now talking about, the bear or like talking about the bears in this very weird light 
let's get positive because there's a lot of positives to talk about, especially like even on offense. I mean, the Minnesota Vikings were challenging the snot out of the Bears' offensive line, and I thought the majority of the linemen held up relatively well, at least when it counted. I mean, at the end of the game, I don't remember there being near the pressure leakages that we saw early in the game, which are weird to pin on linemen on site, if only because when they send seven and the and somebody gets pressure, that that is expected. I mean, I appreciated the way that the Bears tried to attack them early, which was to say, we are going to threaten that we can leave up to seven guys in for protection. I dare you blitz us because we will pick it up. And the Bears were picking it up. I mean, as usual, Nick, Luke Getze's game plan was not Matt Canada's to open. It's that adjustment period that yep. always seems to kill them. It always is, yeah. As they ran out of ammunition and stalled. But the the talent... I mean, DJ Moore seems like every bit the superstar that he's nearly ever been, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I thought Cole Komet had a solid game overall. I mean, came up with a huge fourth down completion. Anybody on offense that you'd like to highlight before we talk about that defense? Um, how did you feel about the offensive line? Because in my opinion, um, I mean, Darnell Mooney, he caught the one. He should have stayed up. He would have got more yardage. I think right. Cole Komet was pretty tough. I think Roshan, Roshan had another one. But yeah, he Roshan played a good had game. A decent game, yeah. But O line, I felt like we're gonna we're gonna watch the film and be disappointed with them again because I feel like they should have done a better job. You know what Minnesota is gonna do, and on that, you know, all those guys that that fake pressure and bring pressure and do whatever, only one of them is very good. The rest of them are just mm, talents. So, given that this is a game where Tevin Jenkins went down temporarily. And especially after that, the offensive line seemed like they devolved a little bit. Mm -hmm. I, I'm i cutting them a lot of slack because I've always known high-pressure teams to create major problems. I mean, the Bears ran pressures against Detroit, a supposedly very good offensive line, and it fouled them up left and right, Nick. I mean, blitz rules and picking up these blitzes seems like it's really hard on offensive linemen. And at the very least, I saw Justin Fields able to get the ball away nearly every play early in the game. Yep. And I can't help thinking that that's the sign of an offensive line that's doing enough. Were there moments where they absolutely blew it? Yes. I mean, more than once, Justin Fields had to dodge what became a free rusher in the pocket, which is just never what you want. But when the opponent's sending six, seven, and five-man blitzes for the entire first half, I can't help feeling, Nick, like you're going to have a couple of those. Like, if you're not throwing the ball within one and a half seconds on every play, catch one step throw, catch one step throw, catch one step throw, you're going to have to dodge a free rusher at some point, right? I mean, that's how you beat blitzes. Well, yes and no, because there's so many ways to beat a blitz. And, it, and like, we talked about this. I think you said it earlier, or maybe it was uh, our pre-show. Like, there's, there's aggressive teams. And then, like on offense, there's teams like, hey, we're aggressive. We're going to have a game plan for this. We're going to do different things to beat you if you're going to do this. If Everyone, if you go back, okay, our, our favorite Bears team of all time, the 85 Bears, right? They lost to Miami. Only lost they had that year. What did Miami do? They, forward, they spread the Bears out, and they ran quick concepts. And they had a linebacker matched up on a wide receiver often. And Buddy Ryan wouldn't go in the nickel, right? So they caused different things and had brand quick concepts. What did other teams not do? They try to drop back and they would blitz and the blitz would get them before they get rid of the ball. Like there are things, and this is just me as an offensive coach. Oh, yeah. Things like, oh, you're going to do that? Great. Because think of, even if you're walked up, 
you're walking, showing seven. You, you can't drop quick enough to get back into certain areas in that seam. So I know, hey, that's just where we're going to go with it. You throw it there quick. It doesn't have to be this screen. It can be, you know, five-yard little things here or there. And we didn't do that. And to me, like, is that built in? Are the hots built in for Justin? Because last time Minnesota played, we didn't feel like they were. And so we're going to look at the film. But to me, like, there's so many things that you could do. They didn't even try. And that's what bugs me the most. I mean, I guess they kept sacks down. What did they take? Two sacks? Three sacks total? I mean, I'll check. No, now that I think about it, you're going to get a really ugly sack total because hits like the one that Fields took on the bash run are going to get credited as a sack. So I bet <laughs> you they have like five in there. But uh, that two. Only two? Good. Okay, that makes much more sense. Uh, so, two, two or three. I don't know how, how they read this. Like, there's three for Chicago, two for Minnesota. But I don't know if that's like sacks you took or sacks you gave. Well, good question. I guess the, take a look at Fields' box and let me know. But moreover, oh, yeah. I guess what oh, I'm three, trying to say, three. three they, yeah. The Bears, I guess, went into the game with the plan of, okay, we're going to basically do – we're going to – we're not going to take any negative plays. And after they got up three to nothing, you swear they sat box and went, there we go. We did it right. Like we got our lead and they sat back partially because this is my segue, right? The bears defense was going off. I mean, the entire game, Nick, like not only did you get some really solid performances from most defensive backs, there's one defensive back that we can discuss later, but I don't want to talk about him while we're talking about all the things that were so good because we even saw Tremaine Edmonds flying to the football, getting the chance to do it. We saw TJ Edwards continuing to be nearly everywhere. Gervin Dexter was awesome, physical at the point of attack as a, both a pass rusher and as a run defender. We saw yep. Montez Sweat continue to enforce his will. Jalen Johnson comes away with a sweet, like, cover two hole shot beater where I would argue that it doesn't hurt anything that Josh Dobbs's throw is probably yeah, they, they were in smash short. against it didn't they was not what ran it was smash and it sure looked like Josh threw it as if it was an out route of some kind like I don't know if you feel this way that hole shot did not seem like it was well thrown towards the hole like it's a sweet play by Jalen Johnson but you gotta think that that ball supposed to be way deeper not that I mind right right like there's well, so there's because there's, there's certain things with that too, where it's like the, the velocity and the angle. Like there's two different things. It felt like he floated it a bit to me. That's what I thought. But it's a yeah. sick pick all or like regardless. And it kicked off this just avalanche of Bears defensive plays as it felt like the Bears were able to create more positives than the Vikings were. And the Vikings missed their chances. If we really wanted a nitpick, we could talk about plays like that first play, man. Oh, man. What a perfect ball on the opening shot to Jordan Addison that that Eddie Jackson was just barely able to pull out of Addison's hands. What a wide open route J Jordan Addison ran against Kyler Gordon later in the game to get holy smokes open down the sidelines. There are a couple nits that we could pick here and there, but when you create nearly five interceptions and what could have, should have, would have been another pick six, mm -hmm. a couple blown coverages just is not going to kill you or it shouldn't. Right. Right. Oh yeah. And I, and like, yeah, we talked about the Eddie Jackson one, you know, with Hawkinson late and, um, and you know what was interesting too with the the defense is like right when you need them to 
do something <laughs> like they, they allow it. Like, so last, last week, right, right before the half, that's when Detroit drove down the field, got their touchdown this week, last drive of the half, Minnesota runs down the field perfectly and gets a field goal and ties it up. And you're like, come on, end of the game. All right, Ben, don't break. Mm, and we broke last week and we broke like right when we need them to not do it, you know, they, they fall apart. I mean, this week it was like, everyone was injured, which was super weird. Um, I like that. I think that our DBs are getting more aggressive. I think mm -hmm. you saw that across the board. Mm -hmm. Johnson, Terrell Smith was physical. Uh, Kyler Gordon, you know, he had some bad spots and some good spots. Um, uh, I don't think our safeties are as aggressive as they need to be, but I think <laughs> the guys up front, like that, that layer, um, it, <laughs> I think they're, they're improving as the season's going on, which is exactly what we want to see, especially another, for some young guys. Another guy to just add on to everything you're talking about, Jaquan Brisker, great game. I mean, I thought this was the best game that he's played. Just this It's his season. best game, yeah. And not only was he doing what he needed to do in coverage generally, I, you can't really see, so that's, that's yeah. the best you're going to get. But there were more than one plays where Jaquan was attacking downhill, and I mean, he assaulted a Vikings blocker on the play before his pick. I don't know if you, I don't know if you caught it, but Jaquan came downhill, basically just dumped the guy into the ground before forcing him into the waiting arms of I think it was Jalen Johnson, and then obviously the ball goes off of Jordan S's face, and he ends up collecting a pick for his effort which well i think i mean um Terrell smith rerouted addison on that on that pick were deflected a and little. i don't know if that <laughs> what a little <laughs> yeah but like if that like put him off balance a little bit so he didn't look as quick you know like all, all that stuff it's it's a game of inches and you're like mm, did that help a little bit 100 you know? and i mean yeah. it's so funny right that's where that throw was a great example of how when people say oh could he throw with anticipation it is a double-edged sword because that throw was outstandingly well anticipated so well anticipated jordan addison did not anticipate it and <laughs> it's those create turnovers like yeah. it's it's a balance now there is one rookie that I want to talk about purely because I feel like whenever Terrell Smith gets into the game, especially before this game, before this game, Nick, when Terrell Smith would get into the game, it was as if they didn't have any scouting information on him. So they just didn't throw at him and they were content to throw at Tyreek Stevenson, who they did know. And if you saw what I saw in the Washington game, he's, he's a little slow and he gives up a lot of cushion. And he, I thought that that got, I don't want to use the word exposed. The Bears won for crying out loud. Yeah. But whenever you hear me talk about Tyreek Stevenson is a, in a positive light, it's because I didn't think he, I didn't think Tyreek got assailed in many cases or looked as non-competitive on some of the worst reps of the evening as Terrell did. And I'm only using that to point out that DB is really hard, really hard. It's a rookie DB. I am lenient on every rookie and should be. Like, I think you should be anyways. But it's a great reminder watching Terrell Smith that playing DB is real tough. And 29 yep. has been hanging tough in there. I can only imagine, man, what this Bears defense would have done had they had Tyreek and he'd just been better than Smith on, I don't know, what do you think, eight total plays? Like, that's eight plays that the Vikings <laughs> needed an advantage on. Like, the Bears were winning matchups left and right. You 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 love Tyreek Stevenson. You have your doubts nope. about Terrell Smith, don't you, man? I'm, like I, it, I'm, it is cemented in your mind. I I I'm in the air about both of them. I think both of them as prospects were in the same bucket for me. Um, 
there's similar body types. Uh, the one thing that's weird about Terrell Smith, just, just looking at him is I always think that he has like, he was looks, like he has like really low cut shoes. Like, like they're, like they're not, you know, they're not high tops, but they didn't seem like they really, are really low. And they're like jet black too. Yeah, they it's... are I'm like, like, man, is he going to roll his ankle? Like, that's what I always think of. Right. But, but what I do appreciate is they both play physical. They're both oh, yeah. long. They're both athletes. So I, I like that. Um, it's they, the they long have... speed. Like if mm-hmm. you just run him, just run him down the field. Yeah. You can break him open. Well, I mean, he, he had a pass breakup early in the year. He had a pass breakup today. Which which pass did he break up today? Didn't he have one? I thought he had one. I, I know JJ had a bunch of them. And um, was, oh, maybe it was maybe I'm thinking the one over the middle of the field and it was JJ. Uh and it wasn't and it, I was thinking. Oh, the one that got tipped and became TJ Edwards' interception? Yeah, maybe it's that one. I think that's Johnson, but to okay. your point, not only yeah. do 32 and 33 look similar, but Smith and Johnson quite literally, visually, look pretty similar in the uniform and either way i mean talk about the long speed like this is just very 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 like intense db traits that i guess i'm talking about because in the cover two system that medieval flus runs if you do play like if you play physical and especially if your d line is getting pressure nearly any db is going to look pretty good right here's a here's a db i want to ask you about are you mad when Kyler Gordon gives up a perfect ball on one of these slot fades, like you, you and I know this, but a very difficult throw that quarterbacks aren't supposed to make quite as frequently as you'd swear that they get thrown over the top on Kyler Gordon. If you get the other plays at or near the line of scrimmage that Kyler is creating, do you feel like the balance is there for what you want him to be? Right. So here, I'll answer that in a second. So uh, Terrell Smith d- did not have a pass deflection per the box score. Did lead the team in, ta- in tackles, which is shocking. Um, no, because <laughs> I've said this on Twitter, I don't know, probably five to 20 times. Slot fade is undefeated. There's so much space. Um, it's one of the things that I said to some friends or maybe on Twitter, who knows today, of what else could the Bears run? They could run a slot fade. Like that's right. what they could do. Just, just do that. Put it in the area because you can run it back shoulder. You can run it as a corner. You can run it as an out. It, you have so much space out there. And Kyler Gordon was right there. And no, I I, I can never be mad at any defensive back for a slot fade because it's it's an unfair concept for a DB to win ever. Like if it's incomplete, you're happy because um, the one down the field, I mean, he didn't need to mess with Hawkinson's arm. I put that on him. Um, but trees but that 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 run fit that he had like like that's you're you're gonna be when you do that as a 180 pound man against a guy who honestly lowered his helmet right when he did it um you're gonna get my respect so he's, he's growing too and that's that's a that's the toughest position man slot corner is the toughest position in my opinion and i mean it was tough for the bears because they started losing guys late and i mean when your dbs mm-hmm. start to go down there's just all kinds of communication things and rhythm issues that start to pop up and it gets ugly in a hurry. It certainly did not help Chicago. It was also kind of funny because I don't know what the bears were doing. I I really didn't look uh, that changed their run defense, but I would have sworn to you, man, that the Vikings ran the ball better than 
a lot of teams have against the Bears on a per-run basis, but Mm -hmm. they would get all their yards from their 30 to midfield, and then they would have one run go a foul. It would be second and nine around midfield, and they would just not run the ball again for the rest of the drive. Whether it yeah, you know, four, they, they averaged four point three yards per rush, and honestly, we had talked about this in the in the the pregame pod. Uh, we expected Dobbs to run a lot more, and he did not. He only ran a, a few times, and so this wasn't like oh, he scrambled and it you know ballooned the numbers up. Uh, yeah, this is not typical Bears defense in terms of stopping the run, which was a little bit of a shock. I will tell you that I did think it's. I always think it's funny whenever. Oh, Are you gonna make it, man? Uh, whenever the Bears play any team with a mobile-ish quarterback, I'm looking at you, Jordan Love. I'm looking at you, Bryce Young. I'm looking at you, Daniel Jones. Jones last year on those rollouts and boots. Well, now hang on, because you're taking the you're taking a different point than the one that oh, I'm going to make. Man, bad. It, it always makes me remember how much faster Fields is than the majority of these quarterbacks. Like Josh Dobbs and guys like him are the reason that we started saying things like NFL athletes are just impossible to run on and there's no real way to do it for years because Josh Dobbs running to the edge. Oh, well, maybe you're going to get five yards and get pushed out of bounds, right? That That's about it. Maybe the Maybe they thought that there was Honestly, maybe the Vikings were just worried about the Bears' run defense, and they thought running the quarterback against cover two is just not going to work. We shouldn't try, right? But whatever the Vikings did try, man, they could not execute it. And mm-hmm. coming off of the loss that they just had on Sunday Night Football, I would mm, this was tough. This has got to be a hard one to swallow for Minnesota because they suddenly go from a potential playoff team to now they just dropped games to a pretty spicy Broncos team and a Bears team that they probably thought they had this in the bag with but yeah. it does bring up one more question uncomfortable as it is I I have to ask this anyways Nick is the door you know I do mean this I am serious is the door to the playoffs open <laughs> for Chicago <laughs> you're serious huh well, I'm I'm half serious, right? But we got five games left, and the Bears just got the biggest one. If they do want to yeah. crawl into the seven seed race, right? No, I like you okay. have to beat the Vikings, or there is no conversation. But now you did, right? And so suddenly you're a four and eight team. But what are they? A five? Are they five? Are they six? I can't they, remember. They, they have six. So two games, right? And all of a sudden, if a couple things go the right or wrong way, you might end up in the dance if you can finish your next game at home against Detroit and then beat the team that doesn't have a quarterback. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you and I both know the locker room thinks it will. The locker room is planning around it, right? Do you think they're loons? Or well, well, no, so okay. It is a real thing because he, and here's why. Arizona, Green Bay, Atlanta, and Cleveland with whatever quarterback that they have. Great defense, whatever quarterback they have. Those are the other four games you have besides Detroit. And I don't think I'm missing any of them. Um, That is not tough competition, in my opinion. Those are games that you are in. So when you look at the graphic, you know, the 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 in-the-hunt teams, you know, those were five-win teams. Because yep. the NFC sucks. They're bad. Green Bay's in there. and Because, yeah. There's I'm, a four-win team in there. 
I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm from Wisconsin. People know this, you know, so, so on my phone, I'm getting texts all the time. Like, man, I hope the bears win and beat the Vikings. Cause we want to get in the playoffs. Blah, blah, blah. You have five wins. Now the bears have four straight up. If the bears beat the Packers at the end of the last game of the season, basically then, okay, then we got the tiebreaker. And like the bears are in there if they want to be, oh, yeah. it's, I- but it's going to come down to a couple things. They have to trust Justin Fields and he needs to play to that, you know, last week level. And this defense maintains what they have. They're in every game. And here's the other part. We talked about this. Atlanta and Arizona games, they're at home. Those are warm weather teams. And they're coming to Chicago. And Robert, I know that you're in Texas down there, you know. And I was I was going to mention the, you mentioned the the guaranteed head coaches contracts. I was going to mention the Texas A&M stuff. But I figured, you know, this is a this is a pro football pod. We don't even got to get there. But, you know. <laughs> but when I came home uh, from vacationing for our uh, – Thanksgiving, you guys know if you're if you're a frequent watcher of our YouTube. Um, I came back to to Wisconsin here. I had snow. There's snow everywhere here, man. So those Atlanta, Arizona people aren't used to the snow. So like you have no, an advantage not. there. We talked about rest advantage. Next week, we don't play. Week after, we're gonna be more rested. So whatever DJ Moore had when he was dinged up, Brisker, Gordon, etc., they should be healthier. We should have Foreman mm-hmm. back. And Detroit won't be swept. The rest advantage, like like we have some big advantages. If you want to go down this road, Robert, but I don't I know. know if you were joking, if you were serious. No, but I I think it's funny that we're here. But I mean, the NFL is a week to week league for a reason, Nick. Because through okay, okay, look through one lens, you have a team that can't get out of its own way. That is so woefully undercoached that we are seeing now that the talent on the roster, not it would be neat if, should probably be a seven-win team. And we've got the Lions game, we've got the Broncos game, and then pick and choose your least favorite of the Bears' losses. We got that game too. And all of a sudden, you're looking at a team that is in a much different scenario than the Bears are in right now. But the one they're in right now is not a mathematical elimination. No. Well, with <laughs> just those two games, Robert, they get, if those two are flipped, again, I know every team's like, well, you could flip this game. I oh, get you. it. I, I hear it. <laughs> but right those man. two games are flipped, okay? Chicago is in the playoffs right now. Win like, that's game, how bad the NFC is. If you win the games that you had a 98% chance of winning, you're in the playoffs right now. And, yep. Nick, we set the bar at seven wins. And I understand that going four and two in your last six would be quite something. But it's not as if either of us would look at the team that took the field tonight and say, no, they got no shot against the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, they got no shot against the Green Bay Packers. Like the Bears schedule has kind of left the door open for after a win like this grindy, gritty, ugly as it is. The door is open for Matt Eberflus to succeed the basest levels of success that we we had all but given up on. And I don't know what happens after that. I mean, I can only imagine that it, it also doesn't hurt that like whatever happens with Carolina at this point probably has more say than we'd like to admit. I, I meant to say it doesn't help. At this point, like if the Bears end up with the number one overall pick, Nick, I imagine that that's going to put some external pressure on the Bears decision makers, whatever direction they decide to take that pressure, because they could. Anyway, there's a lot of guys that might be affected by that, but it's Mm -hmm. more to say that right now the Bears could argue 
all they can do is go out and keep winning games. And if they manage to do so, they may just catch a break and end up the eight and nine team that crawls into the wild card race. Mm-hmm. They don't know. But if Josh Dobbs throws three more picks every night, anything's possible. <laughs> well, well, also, like, too, like, think if you're fighting through this schedule, right? So, I mean, the teams that are in the hunt, Atlanta's one of those teams. Green Bay is one of those teams. Um, and and the, the Lions aren't. The Lions are in no matter what. But, like, you beating those teams helps you with tiebreakers, helps you prevent that other team from potentially becoming that seventh team, and you're that seventh team. So, like... It is a thing. And I know this is, you know, we get all always excited when the Bears win a game and, you know, what could happen. But like the Bears are literally could go seventh seed and make the playoffs or they could be the fifth pick in the NFL draft. Like, like that's how messed up that NFC is and how tight it is. I mean, Buccaneers are in there. Saints are in there. Um, I don't know how Washington is. They they're know They're probably four wins, too. Like it's messy. And so the Giants are in there. I mean, the Giants are in the hunt, potentially. Like, that's how messed it up the NFC is. It does not take much to be in the no. hunt for the seventh seed. No, but the, the but the schedule is not difficult, which is good. I mean, you have the next two games are your most difficult because it's the Lions who are good, but you're at home off a bye, and you're at Cleveland, and Cleveland's struggling right now. I mean, they just got, they got trounced by Pittsburgh, which is shocker. I mean, I'm not trying to be silly when I keep talking about the whole the team that can't field a quarterback thing, but that's going to be a huge problem against a Bears defense right now that's eating mediocre quarterbacks for breakfast, man. I mean, God for, God help Desmond Ritter. Like, I, the, you look at this Bears schedule, and I'm just sitting here like mealy mouths. I, I am... I am almost at a loss for what to say, because if you are not a fan of Matt Eberflus, and by proxy, if you are not a fan of Luke Getze, I don't know what's going to happen, Nick, but right now, I really don't know which direction Matt Eberflus and Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles are going to point the blame if things end like they are. I mean, right now, Ryan Poles' draft picks are on fire for the most part I Dude, mean, yeah so hold on so that's what i was laughing about so I, I just i just went over to tankathon everybody you know that that's where i always go to you gotta if go you, that's what you gotta to, do i need to know the draft order i go to tankathon.com you know if they want to sponsor us right. they could um so do you know what the bears other pick is have you checked after this win you mean like carolina or no, the no, other no. one no no the bears own pick i would imagine it dropped to like six they're still fourth that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> because so Carolina has one win. So we have that pick. Arizona has two. New England has two. No team has three wins now. And then it's whatever four win team has the worst strength of the schedule, which is Chicago. And then it's Washington, the Giants. And then there's four teams with four wins that already had their bye. So they're they're automatically a little lower because they have a chance of having five wins of, after the same amount of games. I got you. And that's Tampa, the Jets. Um, Chargers in Tennessee. So, it, so you still have the fourth pick, even though you won. Like anything can happen in here. Anything can happen. I mean, truly, anything is possible. For crying out loud, the Cardinals surprise everybody and win one more game than they should, and then beat the Bears. And the Bears are back up to number three. But who's to say that's going to happen? I mean, to me, there's this piece of this, Nick, where I looked at the what the Bears did to the Detroit Lions, which was to fundamentally undress them on both sides of the ball for the first half and somehow still come out losing. We're not going to get into that. But mm-hmm. like, especially defensively, to dominate. 
And then the Packers came out and the Packers dominated them too. And I thought to myself, okay, well, how real is this defense? Twice in a row, bad quarterbacks or not, I mean, we could stretch it back. Like, they dominated Brian Hoyer. They dominated Bryce Young. They have now dominated a bunch of offenses that don't have the answers for them. And in a shocking twist, they're not up against a lot of offenses that have answers for them. No. Right? No. And so if the Bears defense turns into this just like dominating bear down Chicago Bears force, everything's on the table. And I don't even know if I say that with this like big, bright smile about the future. Right? I mean, do I... Can I look you in the virtual eyes, Nick, and say, Matt Eberflus leading this same team into the future makes me excited for what the Bears do, whether it's in the draft, in the offseason, et cetera, et cetera. Man, I don't know, because it's it's been a while since we felt like the team was developing. Winning is obviously nice, and that mm-hmm. is a good thing. But mm-hmm. if this leads us down a path where now $100 million of cap space gets spent in the name of what Eberflus wants to build his team as, and then more draft picks get spent building the team the Eberflus way, and then more of these historic losses continue to pile up, but we gave him this extra year because of gritty road wins just like this one, I really don't know what I'm going to do in the future because then we'll be hoping for a new coach to come in and take the team that Matt Eberflus constructed and do better with it. And he might, it's not impossible. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I tell you what though, this defense looks way better with Montez sweat out there. He he had, he had one like bad play where he didn't keep contain. And that's when Dobbs rolled right. And, and he, and he kept it and got like seven yards on a run. Right. Um, But he looks good. Like, so as you're saying, like you put those pieces in Edwards, I mean, Edmonds, Missed another tackle, but he also like is fast and made some plays out there today. <laughs> he had that sick see, TFL where he just he did that, shot the gap. He did. He had another one where he hit the guy in the back or he hit the uh Hawkinson and then he broke the tackle. or no, it was CJ Ham broke the tackle and someone else had to clean it up. And I was like, Oh my Oops. goodness, man, you're you're 240. Come on. <laughs> um but it's uh, like he's you, 210. I know, but I mean, I mean, Billings, like you can see like, okay. And these kids, I mean, even, even uh, Pickens had some plays today. I'm like, Hey, this guy hustles. He's athletic. Like you can start to see where some of these dominoes were. Okay. Yeah. That's a good spot for that one. That's a good spot for that one. Like we just need other edge because unique is bad. We need somebody else over there. there. Um, Yeah. It's really bad, but, and safety play outside of that. And you resign Jalen Johnson. You're like, "Mm, this is a top. 15 defense next year. I mean, I mean, that's, I'm pretty confident with that, which sounds crazy, but then it's just the offense and quarterback and center, maybe another receiver, you know, like it's not, it, the bears are not that far off. You have the two high picks, you have the cap space and, and, and whatnot. Now it's just, you have to develop them. And so here's the other question, Robert, mm-hmm. you're talking about Eberflus. We, we all saw what happened today we have the bye week does he let go of luke getsy you have a bye week to have a new coordinator you know implement whatever he wants i mean we've seen we've seen other teams do this mid-year it's not the head coach do is this now the time for the transition because right now it's not working 
And if for you to save your job, you need it to work. Is I now am, the time to do it. I am ready to tell you exactly what I think, right? I, I can't tell you what they will do because it comes down to a key question, Nick. Who are they blaming inside of the head coaching or inside the coaching room, right? Do, are, are the offensive staffers looking at each other alongside Matt Eberflus and the defensive staffers thinking, what are we doing? On the offensive side of the ball? Well, if they are, then absolutely. Now's probably the time to move on from Luke Getze. You pin it on the screens and move on from there. Yep. Or if they keep Luke Getze, I wouldn't be surprised to hear them try to make the argument once again, because you know they're going to give Luke Getze some media time between now and, the, and, now and next week. They're going to say, what well, was execution? And they're going to mean it. Like, whether you agree with them or not, Nick, what's what's wild to me watching this. So, for instance, Adam Johns tweets something about how one of the visuals from the Bears locker room on ESPN's broadcast was that as Matt Eberflus was addressing the team with Ryan Poles at his side and with team president Kevin Warren right there in front, Warren is nodding his head as Eberflus speaks. So if Matt Eberflus looks at Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles and says, it's not Luke, guys. What do you think I'm telling you? I wouldn't be surprised if the organization is going to agree with them. And Nick, you may not agree with them. I may not agree with them. But it's the kind of decision that, like you're talking about, could somehow turn into, well, come on, guys. We're just a quarterback away. And that is every Bears team I have ever watched. <laughs> well, I mean, but I thought we answered that question when Tyson Bajan couldn't get it done. A UDFA you know? rookie, right? Is that the NFL standard for would any quarterback succeed? He's not a UDFA offense? rookie. We know this. The, Tyson Bajit? His talent-wise and what he's shown, he's not a he's not UDFA rookie. He's a fourth-round pick, third, fourth-round pick. Oh, sure. Right. But I'm just saying his style, right? I mean, they highlighted it, remember? Man, Justin, what are you going to learn from Tyson Bajan starts? Like, they jammed it down our throats. Like, you want the pocket passer type? That didn't work, Luke Getze. You want the athletic type? That's not working, Luke Getze. So what's going to work for you, man? That's, that's the thing. Is like, this is all on the line. He's I, yeah. How can they give Flus another year with another quarterback with Luke Getze? Like, it, you can't do that again. And honestly, if it comes down to execution, Robert, me as a coach, mm -hmm. it comes down to me. I'm not talking to the player enough. I'm not doing these things in individual time in the meeting rooms to get them prepared for what they're going to see, what they need to do. It's oh, it's, yeah. it's like there's a play, okay? There's a play. You have your your matinee, your big performance. Were the practices, did those go well? Did our did our, our walkthrough, you know, our rehearsals go well? Did I have individual meetings with two actors that aren't getting it done, right? Like, that's on me. And the finger-pointing crap is it, it, it's not acceptable on offense because now the line is there. Sure, we want a better center. I get it, and, and you always want more weapons, etc. Right on defense, I think there's an excuse. Like you, you legitimately have to have another edge. It's like almost there's no bun there. Oh, yeah. I get it. Right there's you always want some improvements, but it's not working. And if it's not working, at some point you have to blame yourself because we just saw Matt Canada. Right, the last game. <laughs> this is amazing. The stat. I don't know if you saw this or not. So Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh, their last game 
for, with a different offensive coordinator, had over 400 yards of total offense. Oh, yeah, they sandwiched him, didn't they? Th- then Matt Canada's entire tenure of like 44 games, I think it was, zero games of 400 total yards. First game without Matt Canada, 400 total yards from the offense or more. Like, something's not working. Yep. And I don't I don't care who's to blame. You can't switch quarterbacks right now, so you got to switch the guy. Have someone else call plays. Luke, you want to be the OC and unless whatever? you have like call him. The plays. Like, unless, unless Matt Eberflus thinks that Luke is that dude that's just being held back by a signal caller. Like, I'm trying to, I can't, I'm, don't make me say it again, Nick. I mean, I you're going to go down with the ship then. I am not trying to defend Matt Eberflus. We cover a weird team that makes weird decisions regularly. <laughs> Agree or disagree with that? Statement. No, it, it's super. Weird. But here's the here's the thing: is like, okay, if we don't trust Justin with the quick passing game, which I mean, okay, or middle of the field, which by the way, to win the game was a deep one over the middle of the field. Right. I'm not saying he's perfect. He's not perfect. He has so many things to work on. I think he's lost a lot of confidence. But if if you have to win games to save your job. And you have Justin Fields. I am running him 15 times a game at a minimum, Robert. I'm getting him on the edge. That is that is the basis of the offense. And then I'm mixing some drop back stuff, but that's going to be the most of it. He's going to be moving a lot, and they're not doing it. Like it doesn't make sense, man. It's like you're trying to make a square fit in a round hole. It's, I think it's frustrating, but I'm not coaching him, right? Like watching the Lions game, I I saw the opportunities that Fields had to throw the ball, whether it was over the middle or even some down the sidelines. Not like down the sidelines, just the dagger shot that he hit to DJ Moore. So, hey, glad we hit it again, right? Especially if it's drop eight. That's not easy. Actually, I think it was was drop seven. I think they had four rushing. Um, Which, by the way, thank you, Brian Flores, for just turning off the blitz at the right time. Like he he went Eberflus mode, man. That's what he did. Thumbs up for me, man. Like it's so funny because I can't help but think, Nick, that the NFL puts a lot of pressure on guys. And I don't mean like the NFL people. I mean the situation, the scenario, the hundred thousand screaming fans, right? Like you panic one too many times and think to yourself, oh, Nick, it's third and 10. All we need is a yard or two here. Let's just throw a quick little screen to our guy, Jordan Addison. He'll take care of us. He'll pick up maybe, I don't know, five or six yards. And then if he breaks it and we end up converting, even better. What happens? You lose a yard. (laughs) You end up having to put yourself in punt situation because what you thought was this free and easy play call, as Mm. you, you know, spoke it nervously into your headset, ends up being the most conservative call possible and the one that the defense is waiting for. Like, it's such a tough balance because I'm sure, what what's it? I'm sure Brian Flores is sitting there thinking, I'll show blitz. They're going to think I'm going to blitz, but I'm actually just going to drop out into like drop eight and drop seven coverages. Free and easy, man. <laughs> like, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, Robert, I just don't, I mean, it's so middle school, okay? Peewee, whatever you want to call it. I've been OC, okay, in a high school. I ran two by two, and I would have run just bubbles, right? It's a run play. You show this look, I'm just going to do this. Thanks for the free yardage, right? But I did that multiple times, and then I did pump and boom. I did that multiple times to a team in a game, also a team that um, I, I was a coach at formerly, and I was beating my 
old coaches. It was kind of nice. But anyways, I did it twice for, I think it was like 20 yards and I had a 30-yard gain on those. That's at my level. We saw how quickly Equinemius St. Brown got beat on that one, right? All you had to do, he, he just had to go and just settle. Cool, yep, boom. Eight-yard gain at a minimum before the safety can come down. Like, like it wasn't, they didn't even try it. Like, it's just like, how is that not in there as an OC to even, hey, you know what? Let's try it. Let's, we've ran it 20 times. Now let's pump it and just put it right in the, in the whole shot. And I'm not saying go down the field. It could be a whole shot. They didn't even do it. That's the thing. I, I sit here and I look at all these things that they don't do. And I'm right back at the place that I was with Mitch Trubisky and Matt Nagy not so long ago, where I'm like, is it because the offensive coordinator doesn't have the idea? Is it because the quarterback won't do it or or what, right? Because, I mean, for crying out loud, Nick, going back to the most basic play that anybody who's ever picked up a controller and played a game of Madden has ever run, everybody loves the slant, baby. What's one yeah. of the best ways to attack a, a blitz? A slam, baby. It's a safe throw, too, because you can throw it low, and it's only where your receiver gets it. What did the Bears start the year running a lot of? Double slants, baby. And did we throw any of them? We threw probably two, like, on on a bunch of play calls. So is it that Justin can't do it? Bro, I don't know. Like, I mean, if, if Justin was coached by a different coach, I do imagine he'd be more aggressive. His already high interception percentage might actually be higher at that point, but we may not care or he may have ironed right. it out. We don't know. Right. <laughs> and I, we could, we could turn into what is it? Charlie day? Uh, like on that, you know what I mean? The conspiracy theorist meme where it's, he's just got like crazy hair and he's like looking at the board with all the different things. We can kind of looks like you though. You I could know. pull it off. I know it, <laughs> we, we could go there. We could go there if we yeah. wanted to, but it, it's moot. And so I'm with you, or uh, I really like your idea, right? About if you just, honestly, if you just change offensive coordinators for the hell of it, almost, like you'll at least start to eliminate variables from a scientific perspective. I, I mean, you've you've only lost your running backs coach on offense. You still have room. Right. I just sit here and wonder if Matt Eberflus feels like he's building an, I, like, fire me island if he fires Luke Getze and doesn't win these games, which may be the case anyways. Right. Well, but no, it's, it's not football in Carolina. I, I got one more thing for you. I know, I know you're tired. I know we want to wrap this up. Something interesting from tonight. I did not expect. Um, Roshan Johnson took way more snaps, targets, carries than Khalil Herbert. And so it's one of two things. Khalil Herbert is not fully healthy yet. Um, or they want to get a better look at Roshan Johnson or he's better against pass pro. It's probably maybe a combo of those, but I don't know. I want to hear what you thought on that. I thought it was very interesting development. He's got no gas anymore. I don't know what happened. I don't know if you know what happened, but Khalil Herbert has been a near automatic loss of yardage yeah. since he came back from injury. I can't help wondering if he's not healthy just yeah. because the Bears' lack of usage of him and his lack of production seems awfully it feels too related to be coincidental, but I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that, that high ankle, that takes a while. The, the, the one carry that really sold it for me is I don't know if you saw it. It was a run to the right, uh, kind of off tackle. And he had, he had two guys that he could have cut in inside of both of them. And he still stayed outside. And in my mind, I'm like, he didn't want to cut inside of those. Cause that's a lot of strain on that ankle. 
And, and I thought he wasn't healthy. And forgive me, but thinking all the way back to when he ended up going on IR, I mean, since he came back from IR, the Bears don't have a lot of other IR spots, if memory serves. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> so I wonder if he's he's here to take some load off of Roshan, but ultimately they really just want to funnel the offense through number 33 until Foreman gets back from injury just because they kind of don't have any bodies left. And you, you, you got Travis Homer. I, Put him in there. I guess you do. I mean, they can't think he's that hurt. It's not like they're asking him to just grit it through an injury. To your yeah. point, that's the kind of harebrained stuff you think about at nearly midnight. But I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm a little lost on yeah. it. It is kind of on schedule. I mean, you and I were talking about how we expected Roshan to take over as a yeah. new lead back about halfway through the season. And here we are. That's right? true. Delayed Fair point. by injury. But it's it's funny looking at the fact that J- Khalil Herbert looked like he was ready for that season, that career lead back season very early in the year and then his anchor his ankle sprain happened and the dream and, and died concussion. very quickly and, and, his con- and his concussion too don't and forget about concussion. that one so yeah so i mean i mean i just thought it was kind of interesting so um you know wrapping up um go bears we won Right, we we got we have we have two weeks to just sit on this win, which is nice. We don't have to sit in agony of oh we yeah that that was one thing I was dreading because I was like oh man, all my Packer fans are just going to tell us how we lose every game when we're supposed to win them. Uh, But now I can just brag up that Justin Fields can come from behind and and win it. He's like the he's like the pitcher Robert that's in the game that like blew the save, but then somehow got the win. You know because they went up and got some some run. My favorite example, I have this burning memory of being a rangers fan and there was like a tight game that we needed for the division late in it and i i couldn't tell you the guy's name i could only tell you that he came in as this really well-regarded closer in like 2013 and immediately threw it two rangers faces completely on accident like one ball hit somebody in the side of the head, another ball hit one guy or hit the next batter in the shoulder, and from the ne- for the next three outs, uh, neither ra- none of the Rangers really moved the bat much because they were all worried about fastballs up high. And he put the side down, and I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" So like sometimes the wild man <laughs> gets what he wants. Intimidation, right? huh? He's like Patrick Ewing at Georgetown when he just like goaltended. He's like, you're it's never gonna go in the hoop. Right. And um, but uh yeah, so I I'm ex- I'm excited. You know, we get to have um, you know, some 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 positive mindset here. I mean, we don't know what's gonna happen with the Bears moving forward, but there's hope either way. Um, and here's the one thing too. Despite fumbling twice, despite not being trusted by your OCs, what it looked like for for the majority of the game, Fields stepped up when he needed to to win the game, which says a lot about him. You know what I mean? Like, and again, he's a young guy. Everyone's like, well, he should have it figured out in year three. Trevor Lawrence has been this all season, and he's been the best of that class. Like, there's still young guys figuring it out, too. So that could be a cool thing of his momentum and building that, too. Who knows? We'll see. I mean, Fields' destiny is his to write. I I end up pretty weird about a game where the Bears scored 10 offensive points, pumping my fist, or 12 offensive points, pumping my fist and being like, yeah, after a four-pick game was setting up great field position all day. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's a Fields win, which puts him 
I, we don't need his quarterback record the wins don't really count like it it, it you get it wins aren't a quarterback yep. stat is really all i'm trying to say but i'm i'm interested to see where the season goes i hope the bears don't mire themselves in the dead center of the results i would prefer they either be really fun and good or really right. bad and just rot at that point rot is a strong word but you get it like if they if they start to continue to go up and down and then down and then up again and then up and then down and then we we sit there at the end of the season saying do we don't we and george mccaskey just comes along and says we're keeping them and we go okay then george i hope you know what you're doing looks at the camera right like I, hey although robert super bowl is still possible here okay so hey who's wins out we're keeping him. This is okay? that moment where I feel like I'm obligated for branding's sake to say something along the lines of, even if Justin Fields wins the Super Bowl, we're taking Caleb Williams <laughs> if the Panthers give us no. You're, <laughs> you're going to cut that out and make that a short, aren't you? Like, no. oh, remember on this day I said this was going to happen? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, let's finish on final thoughts. My final thought is that it is pretty wild thinking about how many people were so – so excited to try to clown on the bears for trading a second round pick for Montez sweat. I feel like his impact has been hilariously obvious and say what you will about quality of opponent in the NFL. You need to win 10 games against met opponents, or you will not make the playoffs stairs of the Buffalo bills. Right. And if you can't do it, you're out in the cold and what you do in the playoffs does not matter or how well you were built for the playoffs because you're not in those games. So to me, the Bears' move to go acquire Montez Sweat has catalyzed an even crazier defensive turnaround than I truly thought was doable. And regardless of opponent, I can't help but think the entire defensive unit, and yes, that does include the defensive coaches, deserve all kinds of flowers. Or um, one more name that I think absolutely needs mention is Phil Snow, who I can't help but think yep. is yep. at part of the center of what the Bears are doing. Uh, defensively at this point. They've made all kinds of changes. A lot of them have worked. They have me legitimately excited to watch the Bears all 22 and see what they did that's timing the Vikings so well. Those are my final thoughts. Defensive yeah, yeah. unit deserves all the hat tips. I, I have one, and we haven't mentioned this, and we need to. We're 12 games into the season. We've had uh, Justin play, what, uh, five full games would that be right and then Beijing is it only five four. is it seriously only five so it's the 12 six let me see this would, wouldn't this be his eighth so it'd be his eighth but he he left early against minnesota so seven. Oh, maybe seven okay maybe i'm wrong i miscalculated but either seven. way okay that i mean you know Beijing played for some of these games right uh some of these games did not go well kansas city etc and here we sit 12 games into the year and DJ Moore just went over a thousand yards for the season, which Yay. is more than he had last year in Carolina. And people are going to say, yeah, but he had these huge games and you know, that's, that's not going to work. He went over a hundred again tonight. He is exactly, no, I take that back. He's better than I thought we were going to get in that trade. I am very happy that he's a Chicago bear. He's tough. He's tough to tackle. He's a good teammate. He, I mean, he's had some body language stuff on the field, which he's been frustrated. But guess what? We've all been frustrated. Um, I'm very glad he's a Chicago Bear. He's, you know, signed for multiple years. 
Um, and congratulations to him. 1,000 yards on the year, 12 games in. Congratulations. You know he's going to come into Brian Pulse's office at the end of the season asking for more money. Uh, like, And a really nice extension. And honestly, the guy has earned it. He has yep. been awesome. I mean, yep. there's <clears throat> something to be said about what it does for your offense when you give your quarterback a legitimate number one target and a really solid offensive line. And we're seeing a lot of the fruits of it. Where Nick, even in games where... Okay, I'm going to use a word that might be a little polarizing, but I think you're going to get what I mean, where even when Fields goes through a stretch where he is just flat out bad, you've got a player on your offense where your quarterback can kind of turn his brain off, look in his direction, and make a huge play happen. I mean, he, he's he's him. I'll throw it his way. He's that dude. He's yep. that dude. And mm -hmm. I think it's hilarious that Carolina was so cavalier in giving him up. I'm thankful they were. Uh, and he's going to be in Chicago for quite a little while. And I couldn't be more excited about that. I yep. mean, it, anyways, don't let me take up all your airtime. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. No, I mean, that's it. I mean, I, it's just it's really cool that he did that despite Justin not playing for 12 games, you know, and this isn't a, a, a shot against Bajan. We like Bajan, um, but he's not going to have the, the the total number of passing yards that Justin had um, or the deep shot opportunities for more yards that you would think. So, I mean, really, this number could be a lot higher. I think Moore's on pace for a career high in receiving yards this year, which Again, you know how people are in the off seasons like, oh man, he's never going to have a quarterback. He's never going to thrive. And here he is with a thousand yards in only 12 games. Hey, I mean, you got to give it. It feels a little weird because when we fans are watching these games, right? We think to ourselves, how are the bears not scheming 15 to 20 touches for DJ Moore? The number's mm -hmm. always going to go up, right? Whatever yep, yep. actual target amount that he got, add five yards to it or like five more targets. And that's how many we want DJ Moore to get. But to your point, Nick, I mean, just, DJ Moore has nearly cannibalized the entire wide receiver room. And I just don't really care. Like, sure. Nope. Only throw it to DJ Moore. Whatever. Like, no skin off my back. There's something to be said for whether that is a quarterback question mark or whether that's an offensive coaching thing or whether that's a what like honestly whether that's the quarterback coach emphasizing like going through your reads a certain way man nick we're not gonna know right but i love the fact that like you're saying dj moore has brought this much productivity to a team that desperately needed that from a skill position mm -hmm. and i think it's easy to say Carolina's probably a two or three win team if they keep DJ Moore and his oh, yeah. impact is very obvious. Yeah. I mean, he had he had 13 targets and he caught 11 of them. This is kind of interesting. I just looked at these stats. So he missed two targets. They didn't catch. And again, all of these were short passes. We know this, everybody, right? Kement caught all seven of his. Roshan caught all five of his. Herbert hit two of his. Mooney, two of his three, which right there, when your wide receiver two only has three targets, that's telling you something. Tanyan over one and Trent Taylor over one. So Fields really uh five passes were batted down or throwaways. He only missed, he was 27 of 32 besides the throwaways and bat downs. That is a lot. That is a lot of throwaways and bat downs. Just as we well, five? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think of a couple, yeah, a couple lines of scrimmage, like two or three of those. I right. knew he threw away a couple, but um it's only, you know, I know it's short passing day, but efficient people were catching it we didn't have drops which was no. good fields completed all of them 
And I mean, that was a real narrative last season. Uh, it, like Ken Fields throws screen pass. We were down bad. I remember last year. Like, Man, dude, wait, wait, is that what's happening here? They're like, okay, we're gonna work on screen pass. Oh. He look, he can do that. And then let's work on dagger. Look, he completed that. Like we're we're just trying to fit the holes in his game. There, we just figured it out. We're we're ninety minutes into into this, but we finally figured out. That's that was it. Okay, gets you. Hey. We're on board now, man. Let's work on the next weakness of fields. Are you on board? Or do you still want him fired? No, he's gone. I'm just kidding. He's gone. (laughs) Bears fans, thank you so much for hanging out with us like you have on this Monday night. Go get some sleep. But until next time, folks, Nick, where can we find your work and what's coming out through the rest of the week? Yeah, just let, let's go on Twitter and let's uh, have fun the next two weeks. Just, you know, positive bear bear talk on there at underscore Nick Whalen on Twitter. And then football guys, I'll have my contrarian one. I did I did solid yesterday. Not great. Solid yesterday in DFS. And I'll be having that contrarian article on Friday, which I had some pretty good hits this last week, including go. I'll just give a shout out. Pat Fryermuth was in my article because he was low, low salary and he coming back. And I'm like, he's better than that. And he had a blow up game. Oh, oh yeah, he did. Oh yeah, he did. I have no idea when I'm going to do my all 22 stream because I never remember when I'm going to do it on Mondays. If I do get the tape sometime tomorrow, I may try to squeeze it in on Tuesday night, but I do not know. Either way, this is going to be a fun one to go through. The articles on DVB all throughout the week, by week coming up, let all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff, Nick, as we go through this Bears victory by week. 10, what is it? 13 days of just straight wind thumping and then take on Detroit with, I mean, we've said it a lot, Nick, the season is on the line again. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's to another level. Let's go, baby. This is make it, take it right. Like the more games you win, the more, like the more ends up on the line. And Mm -hmm. if Matt Eberflus is going to crawl or if Matt Eberflus is going to keep his job in 2023, this is where he's going to make his stand. But all the way to the Super Bowl, Robert. Here we go. All the way to the Super Bowl. That would be that would be the unlikeliest. I mean, that would be your ultra mega 2020, uh, like or ultra mega 2008 Giants team, um, which would be oh, yeah. hilarious. I mean, yeah. it's it, it's actually Eli. I'm not gonna say it's not a horror. I'm not gonna say it's a good comparison, but this is the kind of story that would get you there. You know what I mean? Like I get it, man. The the defense becoming outright fiendish out of nowhere and uh, squeezing into the playoffs and becoming a matchup that nobody's really ready for. I mean, I'll believe it when I see it, but we'll get there. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with us. 